0: Welcome to Tales from the Backlot, where we take you behind the scenes to bring you an inside look at how your favorite movies get made. I'm your host, Will Saddleburn. This week, we're continuing our month-long look at the world of family entertainment. We sat down with Mark Hoffling, a production designer whose work you've seen throughout High School Musical, Disney's Descendants, and Zombies, to talk about what a production designer does, his own creative process, and making movies for his inner eight-year-old. Welcome to the show, Mark. Uh, it's my pleasure. We wanted to talk to you a bit about your uh, job as a production designer. In your own words, as a production designer, what are you responsible for?
1: Okay, it's a great question. So the production designer in a film or television project is kind of largely the architect of the show. So uh, a, a way a producer or friend of mine puts it is it, basically the production designer is responsible for everything on camera that isn't alive, right? So we don't deal with the actors. We don't deal with the animals. But as far as uh, selection of locations, how the sets are built, what they look like, the color palette, really, kind of the, the whole hard look of the show, it used to be that production designers were far more involved in costume design as well. Uh, William Menzies was the first, technically the first production designer, and he got that credit for *Gone with the Wind*. And he also designed the costumes and storyboarded every shot of the movie. We've kind of moved out of the most of us have moved out of the costume realm. So it's really just kind of the environment. Yeah, but I mean, that is no small feat. If you think about the room you're sitting in right now, you know, I would design it and my design team, my drafts people and set designers would design it. We'd hand it off to construction who would build it, paint would paint it. My set decoration department would put all the stuff in the room. And then the props department would be responsible for everything an actor touches while they're in the space, right? So they handle computers food cigarettes guns na- you know name it whatever an actor touches so i'm in charge of all of that so it it is a huge portfolio but i do have a lot of help <laughs> i'm not doing it by myself so you've worked on more than 20 disney channel movies
0: yeah it's more than 20 i don't remember i don't know how many more at this point but it's definitely more than 20 a lot of these are some of disney channel's like biggest hits like high school musical and zombies and the descendants movies and which project did you find yourself involved with most at a production design level we say when something is touched that means it's not
1: off the rack does that make sense so Mm -hmm. for instance the the high school musical world you know the first two movies were made when disney was still making shows for uh, making movies on very modest budgets but the third movie it was a much bigger studio production because the studio said here disney channel give us that that's profitable so that was a much bigger budget, but that was still a, mostly an off the rack sort of world, okay, whereas the descendants is all very touched,
0: everything is made you know every costume in that was made complete almost completely by hand. In something as involved as descendants, like where are you pulling inspiration from for that kind of work instead of something like high school musical?
1: Well, you start with you know you get the script, you read the script I, I, I like to tell you know young people that whether you're in front of the camera or you're a creative behind the camera, what we're doing is kind of an act of empathy, right? Mm-hmm. We're trying to understand someone else's journey and someone else's story and life. So you say, okay, you know, let's take the zombies example. Here we have these human beings that survived a zombie apocalypse 50 years ago. We don't go into a great deal about what happened, but it was bad. So what does their world look like? And we decided their world was really based on a lot of panic, right? These are people who are very fearful. And so everything, everything was about conformity, right? So that you start to build the logic of the world you're building that way. And then you think of the zombies and it's like, okay, what does their world look like? Well, they were a hated underclass. Uh, they were nearly hunted out of existence. And now they've lived in a kind of a, uh, an open air prison neighborhood and they live with the debris, just all they have is what humanity has cast off. So between a very conforming universe and a very chaotic and organic kind of universe, then you, you instantly have these great distinctions. Then it's easy to build from there.
0: You are putting so much thought into what every decision means to the viewer on an unspoken level. Exactly. It's the unspokenness. I can tell you
1: more in one frame of film as a production designer than a writer can tell you in 10 pages.
0: You are essentially creating like a backstory without a single word. Exactly right. If you look at the Descendants and you see the castles that the princesses and princes go to school
1: in, you know a lot about them immediately. And then you go to the Isle of the Lost where all the bad guys live in this absurd kind of technicolor uh, slum and you know a lot about them. And we called their color palette Dirty Candy (laughs) right, because we used all the classic Disney kind of villain colors but then we just rusted them and corroded them and made them filthy. So it's like your favorite Jolly Rancher drops out of your mouth when your kid lands (laughs) in the dirt.
0: That was kind of the vibe. I know that in Teen Beach movie, you used the cabin and that as a way to give homage to Evil Dead. You, um, you know, worked on Army of Darkness 30 years ago. A lot of your work the last 15 years has been in Disney Channel movies, but do you hide a lot of like Easter eggs in, in your movies? And do you see that as like, a way to put yourself into a film like through your production work. They say that
1: every painting is a self-portrait in a way, right? Because all we know is what we know best is ourselves and our own lived experience. So, yeah, you know, like a writer pours a lot of their life experience into a novel, right? You kind of do the same thing when you're when you're making a movie and with especially with these Disney Channel movies because the the audience loves to watch
0: them 10, 20, 30 times and
1: I'm so like, you know, you were that age group,
0: right? 100%. I mean, I still, I mean, stuff like high school musical still resonates with people my age.
1: Right. It's a cultural touchstone for, exactly. for your age group. And so, because the audience loves to do that, I think there's a real obligation to try to give them something to discover every time they watch, right? And if you've got the time and the wherewithal and the resources to do that, like, for instance, in Descendants 2, there is a, a fish and chips shop on the Isle of Where the Bad Guys Live that Ursula, from uh, the Little Mermaid owns, mm-hmm. but it's a dump, right? It's just a horrible dump. And so, you know, I spent one weekend writing out probably 75 menu items and then had a sign painter just paint up all these like slop and splat and bay blobs and absurdities. But, you know, if you were to take the time to freeze the frame, you could it would amuse you to read them all. So
0: you definitely try to fill the world with all the detail that our own world has. Right, especially as someone like me who you, I got into video production because I liked movies and I liked pausing stuff, and it's so cool that you find a way to put that in something that like ten-year-olds are watching on loop. That might make them fall in love with the production of creating film.
1: Right, and it's a, and in in a way, it's a dialogue with your audience. Right, right. You're you're kind of having this dialogue. Like I, that's that's who my end user is. Right. Yes, I work for uh, the director. I work for the studio, but I'm really working for an 11-year-old in Oklahoma. That's the end user. And I think that there can be a very bad presumption that some people make when they're making content for that age group, that you don't have to really give a shit, right? You can just wing it. And I think the the opposite is actually true. They're far more sophisticated viewers of of media than you think. And they really are far more sophisticated viewers of media than most adults. You and I could go see a Jennifer Aniston movie and be like, oh, it was fun. Yeah. And then just not think about it again. Whereas, you know, the, the kids that are into these, like the Disney Channel movies, this, this, is,
0: this is a life event for them. So I think that needs to be taken seriously. I think taking children's entertainment seriously is what makes good children's entertainment. Because totally. if you're coming in it like cynically, like it's going to be bad. Yeah. Garbage in, garbage out. Do you kind of channel your inner child when you're making the stuff and being like, well, what would I want to see if I was 10 years old?
1: I said the end user is my, the 11-year-old in Oklahoma. Well, it's also the eight-year-old me, right, who, who needed, for a variety of reasons, who needed this escapism and something beautiful and wonderful and uh, um, entertaining to focus on. Even for just 90 minutes, it was it meant the world to me. And so I'm, I'm very much in dialogue with eight-year-old Mark and showing him what he wants to see when I do that.
0: That's so cool. That's just about as much time as we'll have. Thank you so much for joining us, Mark. Seriously, this has been such a cool chat. That was a great chat. Thank you so much. (laughs) Those were great questions. I really appreciate it. And that's a wrap for this week's Tales from the Backlot. Remember, behind every film is a thousand stories. We'll see you next week.